the interview was Friday at 3 p.m. And the squad lead called me Monday, first part of the day. So I only had to wait for like a couple of days. Yeah, they said that it's normal to be contacted in two weeks, you know. So I was expecting that I will have like two weeks of just, you know, doing screamba. <laughs> but they called me earlier, so I was really, really happy about that. That's Estea Kazlikito telling me about the days following a technical front-end job interview that ultimately landed her her dream job. <laughs> I asked her if she negotiated. I received such a good offer that went beyond my financial expectations as an entry-level junior and so I was just okay. I didn't negotiate, like I was out of my mind. Osteya carved her own learning path using Scrimba's front-end career path and other educational content on the web. This is Osteya's story. This is how she did it, with a lot of dedication and a little help from Scrimba. She's based near Vilmos in Lithuania, where she carefully selected three companies she'd potentially like to work for. And I'm happy to say that in that recording, Ostea is describing her best and first option. But let me tell you, although the days following her front-end job interview were short, the path up until that point wasn't easy. As a young mum and law graduate turned developer, Ostea had to make some sacrifices. I couldn't actually, I was running a little business, but my main focus was my baby. Of course. Uh, so I was like a full-time mom who has like a little business, like beeswax wraps on the side just to keep my mind sane. But, you know, I remember the things that I bought my baby, the new tricycle that I could navigate with one hand because on my other hand, I was holding my phone and I was reading about Java. So it was that extreme, you know, when we're out in the park, I'm always coding. When baby has its naps, like I'm always coding late nights. I'm always coding. If I cannot code late nights, I would wake up at five or 4.30 and I would code till six because that was the only free time I had. When Ostea was 18, she had an obvious talent for languages and history, but it wasn't so obvious how to channel those skills into a job. There seemed to be an opportunity to pursue law or maybe medicine, and with a little encouragement, I think it's fair to say from her parents, Ostea ended up studying law to obtain a master's in legal philosophy. Yeah, that's right, a master's in legal philosophy. But after graduating, she didn't love her job. And I think, like a lot of us, Ostea realized that your job, your vocation, is something you do every day. And you have to enjoy what you're doing and who you're doing it with, because it constitutes such a big part of our lives and maybe represents our best chance to establish our roots as professionals. I thought that it was something I could feel good about myself and that I could establish my roots as a professional, because... When I was in my 20s, I really didn't know, didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was pushed towards law because I was really good with languages. But what I realized afterwards is that IT is 
closer to languages than it's closer to math or physics. So I feel like a linguist, you know, like Java, JavaScript, for me, it feels like English or French or Spanish. Mm-hmm. I get it. And probably you do too. Programming languages are a communication tool. In one sense, they're very unforgiving, very literal tools we use as developers to communicate instructions with a computer. But at the same time, we expect other developers to read our code. We read books like Eloquent, JavaScript. So there must be an element of elegance or succinctness that's satisfying to achieve with a programming language. I wanted to get Osteo's thoughts about this, but first, I wanted to go back to the very beginning and learn how Ostea took her first steps towards learning to code. I put it to her, when many of us start out, we're faced with so many options, front-end or back-end, Java or JavaScript, and the list goes on and on. I wanted to understand what drove Ostea to take a leap of faith and learn to code, because maybe you'll identify with her story. As it turns out, after seeing many positive examples of her friends and colleagues transition from law to software testing, she gave software testing a go before deciding to pursue development. I chose uh, testing at first, but uh, shortly I decided I, I just wanted to be a developer and I took a full stack Java course I didn't have any contacts in in coding, you know, I didn't have friends who are engineers who could be my mentors. So I just Google on the web and I found mm-hmm. that there were a few, you know, schools on site because I was so scared of the all those online activities. And I thought that it's it's only about the on-site things that would teach you well. That mm-hmm. was wrong, by the way. So I went to the full stack Java course. Uh, when I signed up, I didn't know what Java was, to be honest. I thought it was like a good choice because it was very popular. I Googled it really well. So it was like seven months uh, every weekend. Uh, like a course, you go to a classroom with 10 other classmates and there was a teacher and you do the tasks. And in the end you have a project which involved like a basic crude operations. Like you have a little mm-hmm. backend, you have a little front end and this is why it is. But when I was learning Java, I thought that those courses were not enough for me to learn to code. So I, I did a little course on Kojim, kojim.cc. They have really good software for for Java. So this is what I did. And then I realized I really want to be a really good front-end developer. So I found Scrimba. So Ostea started out with an in-person, on-site Java bootcamp and finished with Scrimba. In between, she had some success on codegym.cc, which exclusively do backend Java courses. Yes, I think you should try Scrimba if you want to learn front-end development. I'm a little bit biased, but we have a unique platform where you can pause any video and edit the code to see the impact immediately, then resume the video and keep learning. 
It's one reason how courses on JavaScript, CSS, and frameworks like React work so well. But the truth is learning is a journey. You have to find the learning medium that works best for you. For some people it's books, others it's interactive coding on Scrimba, right? For a lot of us, actually, the amalgamation of different learning resources is what helps finally solidify difficult concepts. Because Ostea had already obtained a master's degree and started a small business and surely learned so much along the way, I asked if she already understood the best way for her to learn and the best way for her to learn to code. No, actually, it was so completely different. When I was learning law, we're all learning, you know, from theory or in the discussion mode. And for me, coding is closer to fixing the car or suing or making something out of clay, for example, like making something with your hands. Mm -hmm. So I think that for coding, practice is what is the most important and personal mentor, for example. And that personal mentor doesn't have to be on-site. My biggest mistake is that I chose on-site courses that were really, really, really expensive and not much of use of them because I think I learned more from Screamba or from uh, uh, CodeGym, which, which was a Java course, mm -hmm. than I learned from the on-site courses because on-site courses takes a lot of, a lot of your time you are expected to work in the group, but people come from different backgrounds and different motivation, you know. And also coding is like what you do for yourself on your own. It's like your personal thing. And yeah, if I could start uh, everything from scratch, I wouldn't go to on-site courses. I would take online courses and... I would look for online mentors, not necessarily the ones that I will, would, would have to pay a lot, but the ones who would just give me tips, you know, some advice or something. But I would just do my own personal projects, take online courses, never go to university, like would never think of going to informatics on, you know, for master's degree or something that's totally a waste of time. You heard it here first. University can be a big waste of time for some people. At least it's probably not the most efficient way to learn to code in 2020. Certainly not the cheapest. Ostea's attitude here is spot on, in my opinion. She's learning from different places and seeking mentorship. And what makes me smile actually is that while Ostea was talking to me about finding mentorship, I couldn't help but remember that she was mentoring other people in the Scrimba Discord community. I was doing that consciously because I was uh, consciously taking other people's prog problems to solve it on my own because what they lacked was experience. And if somebody is asking like, how would you make this logo fit in something, you know? I didn't know that, but I say, okay, let me think about that. So. I would take uh, my time, you know, Googling about that, coming up, coming up with a solution and presenting them to people. And it's like being completely honest with you, it's not about helping them, but it was how I gathered my experience. And when I, and when I was participating in my technical interview, I would have more stories to tell because everyone is interesting about 
is interested about the stories and about the challenges you faced and accomplished. No, but you're, it's genius. Like, because when you're learning from a textbook, even when you're learning from Scrimba, it's all written for you. Like it's the, the curriculum, but being a programmer, you don't know what challenges they're going to get thrown your way. Yeah. And so by helping other people, you're kind of practicing, right? Like it's almost like a game, like people throw out questions, you go and find the answers that gives you more confidence that you can find answers for yourself or when you work at a company for your team. I think it's such a common attitude like, oh, how could I possibly help people when I'm so new? Uh, how can I be a teacher when I'm learning? Well, Ostea shows you how. And this to me is your first big takeaway from Ostea. Find mentorship where you can, online or wherever for tips, but teach to learn give to get. If you can't teach something, there's a good chance you don't understand it that well. And if you equate teaching to explaining, well, in an interview, when an employer asks you a question, you need to be able to explain your answer and not just give a textbook answer, but relate it to your own experiences. Helping other people is a great way to accelerate that for a junior developer. Hey, it was super cool to learn what resources Ostea used to get started, but I still had a big question, which I asked Ostea straight. Do you have to know front-end and back-end? Is it possible to choose the wrong technology stack? This is what they realized about being a, an engineer, you know, you don't choose your stack. Basically, you choose the company and the people and the and the main direction and the stack, like, if one day they say, oh, we have a project with Rust, you know, are you willing to learn this? So I would say definitely, because I just like building stuff and I do not focus that much on, on the language or on the framework. Mm -hmm. That's very like, I mean, it's very insightful that you say that. I think when you're, because when you're getting started, it's so difficult to know. How did you think about it? I can see now you've solidified your thinking. How did you think about it when you were learning? Did you have the same attitude or was it something you kind of learned along no. the way? I, I thought that I was just following the path uh, of my teachers or mm. of the stuff that I Google out. And I, I Google out a lot about Java. That is very popular and it's very good, you know. Then I heard many different opinions from my teachers that JavaScript is very welcoming, you know, if you want to be a full stack engineer, but opinions, you know, there are so many of them. So I thought that what they really like to do, I just like building stuff. So if there is a good company with really high culture and mm -hmm. good approach to engineers like Debridges, and if they're looking for engineers that can do a little bit of that and a little bit of that. So maybe I would like to join that crew, you know, in general, like the, the tribe of people that like to achieve, um, you know, perfection. So this is how I thought about my path. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I More think because like I know a lot of people who are starting out, they're kind of, um, they're kind of scared. Like, did I pick the wrong thing? And what I'm learning from you is that you started with Java and maybe you wouldn't say it's the wrong thing, but it didn't necessarily matter because you could like transfer those skills to learning other technologies. 
So if somebody's worried that they might be choosing the wrong programming language, what would you tell them? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that uh, it doesn't matter because the main um, the main struggle I am facing every day is how to think like a programmer. The syntax doesn't matter. Like I could easily switch to C sharp, you know, one day. Because if you know how to think like a programmer, you can Google out the syntax really fast. But it's very hard to Google out the logics. So my approach and my tips and my tips for myself, because I'm just starting out, would be to concentrate on learning the logics, like how to think like a programmer. Syntax doesn't really matter. You can move really fast and... If, for example, you work for the company and the company gets a client that wants, you know, backend in PHP and frontend in JavaScript. So, you know, it would be like a really, a really terrible thing for you to see that I'm not going to learn PHP because I'm a JavaScript developer. This is why I want to see, like, uh, languages doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is um, that you want to learn to think like an engineer. An engineer mm -hmm. likes to play with things, mess with things, and really learn new concepts. React didn't exist 10 years ago. React didn't exist 10 years ago. Neither did Angular, or Stay reminded me. Her points, languages, frameworks, even databases come and go. Programming methodologies, debugging, data structures, code organizations, fundamental algorithms, testing, general problem-solving skills relating to logic, they don't go anywhere. Focus on those. And you can tell we're really getting into the thick of it now because this is your second big takeaway from Ostea. The programming language you're learning doesn't matter nearly as much as thinking like a programmer. Ostea told me she loves to build and work with inspiring teammates. That's what drives her. The language is almost immaterial. And for the most part, I agree. For one thing, there are many similarities between all languages. An if statement in Java and an if statement in JavaScript. While the syntax is different, the fundamental idea is identical. It's conditional logic and a form of control flow. The same could really be said for variables, functions to an extent, even programming language features to arrange code like modules or classes. While yes, they are very different, they also have many similarities, meaning you can parlay your knowledge of syntax from one language to another. And for the syntax you don't know or you haven't learned yet, or stay pointed out, you can Google that stuff. What you can't Google out is the logic. And do you remember what Ostea was saying about programming languages and linguistics? I feel like a linguist, you know, like Java, JavaScript. For me, it feels like English or French or Spanish. Well, I just love that. It reminds me of something I learned, which is that knowing English, like having a huge English vocabulary, doesn't make you a good essayist or a good storyteller. Likewise, knowing a programming language like JavaScript does not make you a good programmer. The point I want to make is that you do need a language, you do need to learn one, maybe two, and use them as tools to learn the deeper concepts. 
but don't switch programming languages every month or even every week. Employers don't care how many languages you quote unquote know. What's more important is your ability to demonstrate problem solving. And that's something Ostea knows all too well. Something else Ostea knows all too well is how to think about finding a company you'd like to work for, then getting your foot in the door. We're about to get into the compelling story of how Ostea successfully catapulted her career as a developer. You're about to hear from Ostea how she found a job opportunity, then her approach to prepare and nail the front-end technical interview. All that to come and more, but first, I invited Per Borgen, co-founder and teacher at Scrimber, to ask a favor that if you can help us, is going to help improve future Scrimba content like this. Hi there, I'm Per from Scrimba, and thank you so much for listening to this story about how Ostea landed her first job as a developer. The reason we're recording this story is because the path towards getting your first job probably feels pretty much in the dark. I'm assuming that you have a ton of questions as to how you'll land that job, how the job interview process will go, how you'll acquire enough skills in order to reach that level, and so on. So with this story, we hope to shed some light on that process and give you some specific tips. Now, we would love to hear what you think about this format, if you got inspired, if it helped you, or if you have critical feedback. So please, if you have anything you want to say to us, just head over to our Twitter at Scrimba and let us know. Thank you. Now, back to Alex, Ostea, and the rest of the story. Like you know from the introduction, Ostea successfully secured a job as a junior software engineer, mostly doing front-end. The company she works for is an international company called DevBridge. DevBridge is a product development agency, which means clients from all around the world come to DevBridge with products or product features they want developed, then teams of developers, including Ostea, bring those products and features to life with code. This is the company you heard Ostea talking about in the introduction, her first and best option, as I put it. I wanted to learn more about how Ostea came to learn about DevBridge and what exactly made it such an appealing company to work for. Well, I actually, I was referred by one of my teachers uh, from the on-site course and the other developer that he met really accidentally by the friend of a friend. Mm -hmm. And he was working for Debridge and we went for coffee and I asked him a lot. I didn't uh, make the meeting look that I am looking for a job, mm -hmm. but he basically wanted to to learn more about the stack the company uses so yeah. I could prepare for the interview. So the meeting for coffee, for coffee was me asking him a lot of questions about the company and he got a little bit of freak out, you know, like how, how come this girl, you know, wants to know about which methodology for CSS we're using to make the project consistent. For him was like, what well, the fuck? And he referred me and the company has a referral policy. You get like almost a thousand euros for a person that you refer. So he referred me. I was invited for a technical interview. This is how I got the invitation for the interview. And I passed the interview. This is how I got the job. 
nobody helped me, but I was kind of lucky because I did this little bit of marketing before. But that little bit of marketing, I mean like six months of consistently bugging people, asking questions, attending in, in events. I went for an open day event for Debridge two times and all of this thing. So, I you was said it, really so it's not lucky at all, Osea. I don't think it was lucky at all. Probably it's hard. not. <laughs> I really took issue with Osea being so humble and calling it lucky when it really was a lot of hard work. I think that uh, for many people it might sound like a miracle and sometimes it sounds like a miracle for, my, uh, for myself, but I did lots of research, homework, you know, I googled a lot about the company i attended the open day events the company hosted so i prepared a lot like almost for the previous six months i was gathering information about this company and about two more companies that was my plan b and plan c but i was actively researching and trying to understand what stack the companies are using when are they hiring because some companies they hire like in January, you know, and they do like massive hires or in summer. So I try to uh, get familiar with these facts before applying. You had two or three companies that you were interested in applying for. DevBridge was your favorite, as I understand it. I'm sure people who were listening want to know what made you attracted to DevBridge? Like, did you know about these values before you applied or did you just get lucky? I was familiar with the values because my my teacher um, who was teaching me like Java and Spring and basic concepts of, of JavaScript, he works in Debridge. So I heard a lot of things from him. Uh, but on the other side, I was following Debridge on social media. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I really loved uh, the way they were, they were communicating, what information were they sharing. The company has a technical blog that uh, all kinds, like all levels of developers can contribute. And I really loved the approach. And also I really like that it's not only Lithuanian companies, like Lithuanian US, uh, USA-based company. Awesome. This, I didn't know that. Uh, the sales department, it's in Chicago and in Konas, in Lithuania, we only have the engineers. So I love the international atmosphere. When I was attending the open days event here, I just felt in the office that I'm not in Lithuania anymore. I'm somewhere in New York, you know, or in Chicago, like somewhere there. So the vibe, uh, people that are so relaxed, uh, extremely talented and smart, like constant inspiration. And it felt, you know, as an outsider, first 10 minutes, you can grasp the vibe. And I just clicked it. Yeah. Yeah. I think probably there's three or four things there for people who are listening to take note of. Um, the first is that if you can find someone who works at the company, they can not only give you a great impression of what the company's like to work for, they can even give you some advice about what technology stack that company is using so you can practice it and get a head start in the interview. 
Secondly, following the company on social media gives you an insight to what it's like to work at a company, what the office looks like, what kind of events they do, that sort of thing. And if they have a technical blog, that can be a great way for you to see how they think about tech. Some companies, the technology is not important to them. They just want to get features out the door. They don't care if the code isn't good. But when the company has a technical blog, you get to see exactly how they think about code to make sure you're working with people who inspire you and from who you can learn. I totally agree with that. And I think that since many of the of the information is now you know, online and many people spend more and more time online and people are starting to work remotely, this social media thing, it becomes like really more and more important because there is no other way sometimes to get familiar with a company. Like that's the only way how you can understand the vibe or the values. There's a lot of different reasons to aspire to work at a given company. Some companies have great benefits while others have world-class learning opportunities. Ideally, you want to work on products you find interesting too. We heard that Orstea is motivated by building products irrespective of the technology stack, and she likes working with smart, ambitious people who can level her up. Because she had clarity about her goals, I think she could navigate opportunities efficiently. The key here, in my opinion, is to find win-win relationships. If you're a junior developer, you win if you get paid money to learn, basically. And from the perspective of a company that's hiring, they normally want to invest in and shape smart, driven junior devs because when you become more experienced, you end up making a big positive impact on their business. Yeah, and it, it was hard for me to believe it that for juniors, the, the thing that you write a shitty code and they are totally right about you, they are looking for people that are willing to learn and that they can communicate. You know, the biggest failure for juniors is that they want to be left alone in the company and they don't ask questions and they don't ask for help. So this is what I'm trying to do, the opposite. You know, I'm bugging everyone, pinging everyone, even though it's very embarrassing for me because I'm always trying to do things for myself mm -hmm. and it's very hard for me to ask questions. But every day is a struggle. So I just, instead of two people that I ask questions, I chose like 10 people I ask questions every day. So the like everything is spread out among more people so they don't think that i'm very annoying i guess <laughs> i mean persistence is key maybe and uh i think what you described is just pushing your comfort zone and what lies outside your comfort zone is usually opportunity i'm a firm believer in working hard and keeping an eye out for opportunities where you can create a win-win relationship Remember, while Osteo was studying hard, she was keeping a tab on companies she'd potentially like to work for. Then, when she realized an opportunity to connect with someone from DevBridge, she'd prepared enough to make the most of the opportunity. She might not have been ready to apply for a job just yet, but she was inching towards her goal. It's uncomfortable, by the way, and she was making progress. And when she did meet someone from DevBridge, she got a valuable introduction and the person who introduced her was eligible for a referral bonus. That's another example of a win-win relationship. 
So things moved quite quick for Astea on the back of months of preparation. Astea, when did you know you were ready to start applying for jobs? Well, I wasn't ready. And many times during my day, I'm not feeling ready. Uh, I was referred by the by one of my teachers and the other colleague. So the call from the company was a little bit unexpected because I was thinking of joining their academy that is happening this fall and winter uh, to be more ready, you know, but uh, it happened that I was referred earlier before the academy. So I didn't actually have a chance to think of uh, being ready or being not ready, but but yeah, many times throughout the day when I have like really tough tasks, I question myself, like, am I ready to work here? And the answer is <laughs> so never ready. Sounds amazing. And when they phoned you up, what was the phone call about? Were they inviting you to interview? Uh, they invited me to HR inter interview with a HR partner and the squad lead uh, so we talked about basically about why I wanted to be a programmer and what was my background. They asked me what uh, tasks uh, have I solved before. It was like very soft, uh, mild interview, not a technical interview. Mm -hmm. And then a week later, they invited me for the technical interview that was conducted by two developers. Can you, Osteo, can you tell me the story, like the full story about that day? Because I can't imagine, like I bet it was exciting and a little bit nervous preparing to go a to the bit. office and do that interview. Oh my. How long did it take? What did they ask you? What was the process like? Well, the process was um, all the interviews were con conducted online through Zoom. Mm. Uh, because of the COVID, they didn't want to perform interviews on site. So... Well, I was really nervous and the worst part of that day was that the interview was supposed to happen at 3 p.m. So I had the whole day to be nervous. If the interview was at 9, you know, you just get up and you do it. So I was nervous throughout the whole day. And the week before, because I had like seven days uh, from the phone call that they want to have this interview, when it actually happened I had seven days so I was studying like mad I was studying that week reminded me the ones that the ones I had before legal exams in the university when you don't count the pages you have to read but you count the centimeters you know the inches of the papers so it, it was more or less my case I googled out uh maybe 200, maybe more interview questions for front-end developers from junior to senior level. Uh, and I just Googled out the answers from various different places. And it just like literally brutally landed by heart as much as I could. And I rehearsed myself uh, explaining the concepts, like explaining what the BEM is, you know, what what is CSS, what is the selector, uh, what so preprocessors companies use. For all the hundreds of questions you uh, studied, how many of those questions came up in the interview? 
Um, all of them. Really? I, 200? No, no, not the 200, but all the questions that I received, I was more or less familiar. Are you serious? I wasn't sure what I expected Ostea to say. But if I was a junior developer looking for a junior developer role, I would find this very encouraging. For all the questions they asked, Ostea had seen similar, if not identical questions during her preparation. This was obviously an intense week of studying, but that's not my point. The point is, all the answers were on the web for Ostea and for you to learn from. Some interviewers will ask you really tough questions they don't realistically even expect you to answer. For some roles, this is to kind of like grade you, maybe if the employer isn't sure if you're a junior or an intermediate dev. Other times, it's just to see how you respond when you don't know something. Are you humble enough to say, I don't know? many concepts I couldn't explain thoroughly because I didn't have any hands-on experience. So I knew it from theory. So, but I didn't have a question that I couldn't say a sentence about it, you know? Mm -hmm. So some questions I could talk for 10 minutes. I didn't have that much time, but I could tell things. For some questions, I could explain the concepts in like two or three sentences, but I sure. was... I was showing that I can understand what they're asking me, what what in general the concept is. But uh, how many questions in numbers, I don't remember, but the interview lasted for about an hour. Well, were there any questions you didn't know the answers to? I think sometimes during an interview, they try and grade you. They'll ask you some questions they only expect senior developers to know, just to try and test how much you really know. It's not failure if you don't know. Do you feel like the questions were all pretty much within your skill level this time around? Yeah. yeah. The, the questions were pretty generous. I mean, they interviewed me for the entry-level junior position. So they didn't ask me, you know, about difficult, tricky concepts or, or about some, you know, selectors that it's obvious that I have never used. So it was okay. Like it was very professionally done. It sounds like you prepared really, really well. It sounds like all the questions they threw at you, you were prepared for. You must have been feeling pretty confident by the end of the interview, right? Uh, no, I thought they wouldn't take me. I thought that Why? just maybe it's just my character. I'm really like high neuroticism, but... I was expecting that they would offer me to join the academy that they're hosting because I know that they don't, um, they don't hire juniors without experience unless they finish that academy of three or four months because they teach you the stack and they can see if you can work in a large team because the projects uh, this company is working on, like they're huge. So we have to have really good communication skills. So I thought that they wouldn't hire me, but they would offer me to, to take part in that, um, like an internship courses. But as you know, they didn't. Instead, within a couple of days, they offered Ostea a full-time role as a junior developer and she's been at it for nearly three weeks as of the time of our conversation. 
Neither Ostea or I could be sure about DevBridge's precise hiring for process here, but I think they were excited to get someone as eager as Ostea on board. And she told me her first day went great. Oh yes, I was really excited, but it was so very well organized. Uh, we had like, it was me and two other people who were joining the company the same day. So we had a tour in the office and, um, you know, they gave us like a t-shirt bag with t-shirt, backpack and cool stuff inside with Devridge logos. And we were explained how to set up the computer. We received clear instructions via email how to do that. And I just started setting up and my new colleagues helped me out. It was like really stress-free and everyone was not very intrusive. They gave me time to, you know, just unpack and onboard, but little by little they came in to ask about me, to talk about me. They asked me out for lunch. Uh, we, we had coffee with new people. So it was really smooth, but it was intensive. Like I didn't have time to check my phone, you know, or something. And what about the days that followed? Like, I suppose there's a period of onboarding where you, you know, you log into all the uh, communication tools and Wikipedia and stuff like that. At some point, it's time to write your first line of code. Can you tell me the story about that? Like, how does that feel, like, contributing your first line of code to a real project, a real company? Well, it's amazing. It's actually amazing. Today, I wrote my first React component, and I just pushed it to GitHub, uh, to Bitbucket. So I was just so excited. Um, but the, the, the first task that I received, um, they were like simple bug fixes. Mm -hmm. but they were real. I know that some companies, they don't allow juniors to work on client projects and they have those internal apps for juniors to practice on. This company is not doing that. I'm working with the real team from day one. I, I was attending like a sprint, you know, stand-up meeting, like normal ceremonies and being taken in as a, like a equal member of the team. So it was Amazing. scary, but uh, there is no simulation of being a developer. You come and you deliver. So I am delivering minor bug fixes. Uh, last week, I got my first feature. Nice. So yeah, it takes me forever <laughs> compared to others to finish something. So instead of two hours, I might take like two or three days uh, because the project is so big that um, it takes a lot of time to find the place that you have to fix or just to understand the logic of what's going on to add on like a little detail. So yeah, but to be able to contribute, it's, it's amazing, you know. <laughs> what, happens if you get, what happens if you get stuck or stay here? What if you just need more help? I have a mentor and he always helps me out. And I can add help for like we have a slack and I could just text my colleague and 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 ask like a particular question or or to help me to clarify the task because uh, I'm still not really well familiar with the with the slang with with the jargon that other people uses. Uh, sure. So yeah, they help me out. Everyone is helping me out. It's like 
I know it's like Disneyland for programmers, you know, you get stuck. Of course, first, first thing that you do, I try to Google out. So when I approach the developer for help, I come with a particular question and being able that I did my research, you know. So yeah, I always ask for help. By now I've worked at a few technology companies and I've seen many developers join and on board. And I can tell you with certainty that whether you're a junior or a senior dev, it takes some time to get on board, to get familiar with the tools, the processes, your new workflow, and to an extent your teammates. As that happens, you get much, much faster. I like that Ostea isn't afraid to ask for help because it means she's making the most of the opportunity. Asking for help is not a bad thing. In fact, it's encouraged in most companies. I've seen some companies with guides or rules like, if you're a junior dev, when you encounter a problem, you're allowed to spend 15 minutes researching that problem independently. If after 15 minutes, you're not on track to understand the problem, you must ask for help. Remember, any company with the capacity to hire junior developers should also have senior developers to help those new junior developers. And if, by the way, you interview at a company and they don't describe that you'll have mentors or senior developers to help you, maybe think twice about that company. It could be a red flag, in my opinion. The point being, ultimately, that you should make the most of the help the company has to offer. As my time interviewing Ostea drew to an end, I had two exciting, positive questions I wanted to get her take on. I'd love to like end on a really, I've got two really positive questions for you and I'd love to get your take. Firstly, I want to ask you, what are your career goals for the future? Well, um, firstly, I'm focusing on just being really good in writing code. Um, so I'm just, trying to code and understand the project I'm working in. I'm still on the onboarding process and onboarding mindset. But once I'm easier with that, I would like to maybe expand my um, team lead skills. You know, I would love to lead a team sometime one day. Mm -hmm. And I understand that uh, I have to be really good in coding, yes but also when communicating with people, trying to inspire them, uh, be familiar with how the processes in IT work, how the business work. So this is what I would like to focus slowly, consistently, and maybe one day I could um, have a nice career in, in this world. I'm absolutely sure you will, honestly. <laughs> For what it's worth, I think for what it's worth, I think you're on a trajectory to become uh, a great leader because a great leader is someone who can inspire and who can empathize and help their team. And like we spoke about with you helping people in Discord, regardless of the reasons why, things will change in the future. I think that being in that position gives you a huge amount of empathy for new programmers as well as coworkers and stuff like that. So I have no doubt that you'll be successful in that if that's what you're aiming to that's do. That's amazing to hear. Thanks. Of course. Well, I, I, I did have a question, which is uh, very, very broad, very blunt, but you've succeeded. You've been successful. You set out to get a job in development and here you are 
like smashing it. And uh, I think we've touched on a lot of this in detail throughout our talk. But if you were to summarize, why did you succeed? Well, I was thinking about that myself uh, because I received many positive messages from um, from people I don't know, from from the strangers. I think it's related that Screamba posted um, something about me and people were asking me that, you know, like, how did you get that job? And it, it made me think myself and... I think that it was the preparation and the efforts, you know, and I wasn't only learning to code, but I tried to get familiar with the industry, uh, find friends in tech world, uh, attend the events, um, read the blogs, follow the bloggers. I try to understand the, the world, you know, and the rules of the new game I'm entering. So, yeah, and, and also I worked a little bit with myself with marketing. You know, I had a LinkedIn page that was always updated and and up to date. I put effort into into you know simple things that like um, optimizing your LinkedIn for SEO so the HR could find me easier. So this is what I did because I was thinking that if nobody could find me, I will never be offered anything. So I worked on that, you know, like SEO, <laughs> updating my profile. So yeah, and learning as well. Every day, I, I used to code every day. I code every day as well. No matter if I'm tired or if it's a bad day, I would just open my laptop and Sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's five hours, but it has to be every day. Every day, even if it's just a little, you can do it just like Osteya did. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Alex Booker or at Booker Codes on Twitter. I work at Scrimba where we're building and tuning the front-end developer career path that Osteya took to close the loop on her journey to becoming a junior software developer. The front-end career path is made up of 14 modules and taught by industry experts. Modules include responsive web design, Git, and web architecture. You might be especially interested in the final module, which is all about the technical interview preparation. This module helped Osteya a lot in the lead-up to her technical interview. What makes Scrimba special, aside from the modules, is that the videos aren't really videos on Scrimba. I mean, you watch someone code and you hear them narrate and talk just like you would a video, but unlike a video, you can pause, then select, copy, edit, even run the edited code before saving it or just resuming the video. Often when you learn on Scrimba, you spend more time actually coding than you do watching videos. And this is a much more efficient way to learn. Head to scrimba.com to learn front-end web development and ultimately get your dream job, just like Osteya.